0: fastgrowingtrees.com code POOL offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply today is July 7th 2022 and our first story a new video of Hunter Biden appearing to smoke crack has emerged he's drinking smoking crack and he's touching himself this stuff's gonna keep coming out And I think it is indicative of bad leadership on Joe Biden's part. I think he has failed his family and he's failed this country, and it's going to have a serious impact on the presidential election and probably the midterms. Ron DeSantis, however, may be gearing up for a presidential run and Trump may announce soon. So we'll see. In our next story, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has resigned. I don't know a whole lot about UK politics, but the global corporate narrative is collapsing. In the Netherlands, police opened fire on farmers. None of this makes sense. There's a food shortage coming, but they're stopping farmers. And in our last story, one of the most evil things I've seen. Leftists blocking a parolee from getting to work, getting him arrested, and then trying to raise money off of him. They will sacrifice you in a moment for their insane, narcissistic psychosis. If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth is the most powerful way to help. Now, let's get into that first story. A new video has emerged showing a naked Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, appearing to smoke crack from a crack pipe, drinking hard seltzer and himself, While floating inside a sensory deprivation tank one month after convincing dad Joe to wire him $20,000 for his detox program. This is apocalyptic for Democrats, and it's not going to stop coming out. I can already hear people saying, why does this matter? And what does this have to do with Joe Biden? Let's get right to the point. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were working on illicit business dealings together. Reportedly, they shared bank accounts, phone numbers, email addresses, all of that stuff. Joe Biden intervened, it would seem, in Ukraine. Let me make sure I'm very clear here. Joe Biden is on camera bragging about getting a prosecutor fired by threatening to withhold U.S. aid to Ukraine, which is illegal, by the way. So they tell us that prosecutor just so happened to have been investigating the founder of Burisma, a company where Joe Biden's son worked. It was getting eighty three thousand dollars per month. It has been extensively reported. Now, if it's true that they were sharing bank accounts, it would seem that Joe Biden did this for himself. But Let's be a little bit less direct. Come on, guys. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If Hunter Biden is doing these things, what does that say of Joe Biden? Now, Joe Biden may not be a crackhead like his son, but something bad because he's the one who raised him which leads me to believe that all of the failures we're seeing of Joe Biden and all the failures we've seen from Joe Biden and the reason why Barack Obama said never underestimate uh, Joe's ability to F things up. The reason why we hear all of that is because he has failed. He was a failed VP. He was a failed presidential candidate before that. And he is failing this country right now. And this is what he does for his son. Nothing. But apparently His son is an excellent proxy for illicit business dealings. Now, all of this is going down as Donald Trump announces the return of Trump Force One. The newly, I believe, renovated, restructured, cleaned, prepared 757 jet that Donald Trump says will soon be brought back into the fold. Why? It would seem that Donald Trump is getting prepared to announce his presidential campaign early. But maybe it won't be Trump. Speculation is emerging that Ron DeSantis could be running in 2024. The big test for the never Trumper Republicans, in my opinion, and in the opinion of Christopher Ruffo, is whether or not never Trumpers support DeSantis. And sure enough, they've come out and said, no, I won't support DeSantis. What? Why? He's not Trump. He's not a potty potty mouth. He was a JAG officer in the Navy. He's got military experience. No, but he's an authoritarian. Oh, here it comes. They have no good reason for rejecting Ron DeSantis other than they are grifters. You know, I give praise to to, to Joe Biden, the things I think he does well, which is very little. I try not to condemn him for everything that that goes wrong. I'll call out his family and Hunter Biden for all of this stuff. But come on, I think Tulsi Gabbard was 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 great. She was a Democrat. She was she was pro gun control, but she's a good person. These people will not give up anything to the other side. But you know what? Maybe it's irrelevant. The collapse is real. It's here. And the cultures are so divergent that maybe Joe Walsh and these other uh, never Trumpers, they're the weird right wing of the far left. Maybe it's just tribal. It's nothing to do with politics or policy. It just has to do with whether or not you're an other. And that's it. But we'll take a look at what's happening with Hunter Biden first, because, as I said, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And if this is the first family, what does that mean for Joe Biden himself. I think the Democrats know it's looking really, really bad for Joe, and I don't think they care. I think this is all part of the strategy that Joe Biden will absorb the sins of the party, all of the terrible things the Democrats wanted to do so that he will be tainted and then cast aside, and they'll try and find someone else for 2024. But Joe Biden's convinced he's running at least. Let's take a look at this story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member of To support our work. It's not just about the exclusive TimCast IRL shows that you'll be able to watch uncensored after dark. Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. We're launching season two Tales from the Inverted World. We are expanding the show. Episodes will be up to 45 minutes or an hour long. Tales from the Inverted World will be a TimCast exclusive. And we've got shows on survival and comedy. Maybe even comedy specials. we got a couple documentaries in the pipeline. TimCast.com is going to have a massive array of content for you as members. If you want to see that happen, you want to see us challenge the establishment narrative and the culture, please become a member at TimCast.com. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share this video anywhere you can. Let's read the first story. Naked Hunter Biden filmed himself smoking crack, drinking hard seltzer, and himself, if you know what I mean, while floating inside a sensory deprivation tank. I'm not going to show you the images. I've actually removed them because they are a kind of graphic, but I will show you some that are at least acceptable and you'll get the idea of what the images are. The Daily Mail reports sleazy Hunter Biden is seen filming himself smoking drugs and fondling himself inside a sensory deprivation tank during a detox program funded by his dad, President Joe Biden. The president's exhibitionist son, 52, is bathed in trippy green lights as he floats naked on his back and plays with himself in shocking cell phone video retrieved from his abandoned laptop. He leaves briefly to grab a can of White Claw, hard seltzer, and what appears to be a crack pipe before taking several hits and staring wild-eyed into the camera as ambient music plays softly in the background. It's so weird. Text messages seen by the Daily Mail confirm the seven-minute clip was recorded at Blue Water Wellness in Newburyport, Massachusetts, where Hunter booked a float therapy session on July 30th, 2019. Why did they let this man go into a float therapy tank with a crack pipe? Maybe they didn't know, I guess. He was urged to visit the spa by a therapist pal whom the first son had turned to for help in his battle to kick drugs. Just one month earlier, Hunter had texted his dad, Joe, complaining that he didn't have enough money for the treatment program on top of his bills and alimony. Hey, dad, I've been trying to resolve some immediate financial issues alimony, tuitions, and my bill for this program, but the cash I am counting on will not arrive until the end of the week. Is it possible to make me another short-term loan in the same amount, and I will send it back no later than 10 days? I'm really embarrassed to ask, and I know it's unfair of me to put you in that position right now, he wrote, December of 2018. Hunt, tell me what you need, no problem. The future president responded, okay, how do you want to do this? I can pay tuition directly and their housing and give you the rest. Biden Sr. Senior, senior, messaged again on December 6th to, con- 6th to confirm 75 being wired today. Love, absolutely astounding. It's amazing. I don't believe any of these texts. I don't believe it. I believe all of this is just cover because we, we've seen reports they were sharing bank accounts. Joe Biden intervened to protect his son's illicit business dealings. I think this is just them shuffling money back and forth and making up reasons to do it. Here are the text messages. In another exchange weeks later, just before New Year's Eve, Hunter messaged his father convincing him to fund a $20,000 three-month program at a sober house and detox facility in New York. Now, look, I can respect this to a certain degree, but it doesn't seem to be working, does it? Joe Biden, okay, he wants to help his son. I don't buy it. I think Joe Biden condemned his son. I think Joe Biden is the reason his son keeps doing these things. And I am of the opinion that Joe Biden abused his son. I mean, we've all seen the videos of Joe Biden groping kids and all that stuff. I think that's Joe Biden. Hunter's cell phone's video would later show, however, he had gone to the wellness center in Massachusetts later, than, uh, later that month instead. The video and corresponding messages are the latest compromising materials retrieved from backed up iPhone data on his, on his uh, laptop, his MacBook Pro, the laptop from hell. I think we get it. Now, look, part of me feels bad for Joe. His son... It's fallen down a wayward path, as it were. but uh, I think it's indicative of Joe's leadership. He's a bad father. He's a bad president. And this matters. It doesn't matter in the sense that Hunter Biden's running government, but we know that Joe lied. Let me show you this story from Fox News. White House dodges questions on voicemail Joe Biden allegedly left for Hunter Biden on business dealings. Joe Biden said he didn't know anything about Hunter's business dealings. And then he left a voicemail saying, there's a story coming out. I think you're in the clear. There's photos of Joe Biden with Hunter and his business associates. He lied. I think Joe was the mastermind behind all of it. I think he used his son as a proxy for his corruption, destroying his son's life in the process. I think the reason Hunter is all screwed up is because Joe used him for his illicit dealings, resulting in a crooked and messed up Hunter Biden. This is the leadership we can expect if Joe Biden does run and win again. And it's what we are seeing in real time. Well, Donald Trump may be about to step out of the shadows. I mean, he's already been doing rallies, but Donald Trump may actually be about to announce the Daily Mail reports Trump gives a sneak peek of his Boeing 757 that has been modernized, renovated and been given a new paint job after being kept out of the public eye. And as Rao goes on over new Air Force One. Donald Trump's iconic Boeing 57 jet will soon take to the skies once again after a remodel in Louisiana. The former president announced Wednesday, they, they say, quote, during, uh, well, here's, here's Donald Trump on Truth Social. During my four years in the White House, I didn't use everybody's favorite airplane, the Boeing, Boeing 757 we campaigned on for our big 2016 win. Now, it has been completely modernized and renovated and looks great. All done in the great state of Louisiana And coming back to the skies in the fall of 2022, or maybe sooner. Donald Trump, in my opinion, has announced his announcement. He's announced that fall, he is going to announce he's running for for, for the presidency in 2024. Take a look at this. This beautiful, beautiful giant 757. How much does a 757 cost? Man, let me tell you. So I took a, we took a private plane. To go out to this event in New York really is the only way possible for us to make trips like this. Um, You know, some people think that uh, private planes are a matter of luxury. At a certain point, they're a matter of necessity. And it's true. So I work morning shows. Um, I I start work around 8 a.m., finish around 11 p.m. For us to be able to do some of these events, we need to be able to fly instantly, immediately, and without hassle to get ready for sound check and doing the show. And so a private plane actually is not much more expensive than flying commercial. That's the reality. When you're a business and you've got eight people that have to go very quickly from one place to another, a private plane is a comparable cost, to be honest, about twice the cost of flying commercial. But you walk in, get on the plane, you're in the air for one hour, you land, you're done. So as a business, it's either that or we don't do some of these events. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. It's awesome. It's awesome. It is a luxury, hands down. But I had to wonder, how much does it cost to fly, to get a jet like this? $20 million. And I was looking at some of these private planes. I was, I was I remembering a story about Alex Jones and Joe Rogan talking about private planes. They're expensive. You can get a used, check this out, a private plane, like a good one that can seat like eight people, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Now, I know a lot of people are laughing, saying that's not little. No, 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 relative to like what you'd think it would be. Some of these planes that are new are like five million bucks, but you can get old used ones. They don't look too nice, but you know, the cost of a house, I guess. If you're running a business, it's actually not as crazy as you might expect, depending on your business. So for Donald Trump, a billionaire, it's actually a lot cheaper than you'd think for someone like Trump, 20 million bucks for this plane. I have to wonder how much it costs to keep it in a hangar. It's got to be like 10 to 20,000 per month, plus like 40 to 50,000 per month for the, the paying off the loan. I don't think Trump bought this in cash. Anyway, here's the issue. Here's the point. With Donald Trump announcing this plane will be in the skies, he is saying he is going to announce he's running for president in fall. Maybe he won't. Maybe he won't announce it. Maybe he'll just start doing rallies. But uh, I kind of think he's going to announce he's running. But it could be Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis. Timcast.com reporting. Speculation about DeSantis' presidential bid grows as he plans private Utah fundraiser with Republican mega donors. DeSantis said that he is focused on his 2022 gubernatorial re-election campaign, but has not ruled out campaigning for the presidency, even if former President Donald Trump runs. CNBC reported on July 7th, quote, DeSantis is set to head to Utah this week, the week of July 18th for for, for the private gathering. According to people familiar with the matter, Many ask not to be identified because the campaign is trying to keep the private event from getting too much public attention. When asked about the event by the news outlet, DeSantis spokeswoman Lindsay Kernut wouldn't confirm any details, saying the campaign doesn't discuss private fundraising events with members of the press. Though DeSantis is coming to Utah to raise money for his 2022 gubernatorial re-election campaign, uh, fundraisers held in far-flung states like Utah, which is more than 2,000 miles from his home state, often suggest national aspirations. The same day, Reuters ran a story titled, Why a Wave of Social Media Ads May Signal a Potential DeSantis White House Run. A Reuters analysis of DeSantis social media ads shows he has dramatically expanded his out-of-state ads in recent months, an indicator, say some political analysts, that he may be laying the groundwork for a national campaign. Here's what I think. I think he runs. I think Trump runs. I think Trump wins the primary. I think Trump then taps DeSantis to be VP. Now, some have told me DeSantis would never want to be second fiddle to Donald Trump. Trump-DeSantis, slam dunk ticket. Trump then gets one more term. DeSantis then gets two presidential terms. Back to back. I think it's a strong possibility, but we'll see. The analysts found that though the first three months of the year, through the first three months of the year, DeSantis ads were heavily aimed at voters in Florida. However, that changed by the April-June period when the ads were spread evenly between the state and nationally. DeSantis increases out of state ads. His, uh, his increase suggests a move toward building a nationwide network of supporters, said three Republican strategists, including Ron Banjin, who was an advisor to former President Trump's 2016 presidential transition team. DeSantis has been surging in popularity within the party for his bold moves in fighting the culture war in his state, from banning the discussion of orientation and, and identity with young students to prohibiting critical race theory from being taught in the classroom. The governor has been making big moves and gaining a national fan base for his efforts. True facts. In June, Trump said that he was confident he could beat DeSantis in the primary faceoff. I agree. I do. Speaking to The New Yorker, Trump said, I don't know if Ron is running. I don't ask him. It's his prerogative. I think I would win. He also took credit for DeSantis winning the Florida governor's race because of his endorsement. Telling the reporter, if I didn't endorse him, he wouldn't have won. I agree with that as well. DeSantis narrowly won. Trump bumped, it worked. People in Florida like Trump. In February Trump stated that he intends to win a presidential election for a third time during a speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference. We did it twice and we'll do it again. We're going to be doing it again for a third time, Trump said to massive applause. November 2024, they will find out like never before. The former president is still the front runner in most hypothetical polls, but DeSantis has been on the rise. When Trump is not on the ballot, DeSantis takes a clear and decisive lead. Let's talk about this. Will Ron DeSantis win? We don't know. We don't know if he's actually running, but it looks like he may be. Donald Trump is set to announce he's running, so things are getting interesting. I bring you now to everyone's favorite, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh is just awful. He is a grifter to the uh, to whatever degree someone could be a grifter. It is him. Christopher Rufo tweeted, the test for never Trump intellectuals is where they stand on DeSantis. He should be their guy. Elite education, military background, leadership experience, impeccable character. If they can't get behind him, the takeaway is clear it's not about principles. They serve the left. Joe Walsh chimed in BS. I'm never Trump, but I come from the populist base. I oppose DeSantis because he's not conservative, he's authoritarian. He uses government to punish individuals and private companies. I oppose him because he doesn't believe in freedom, free speech, or the Constitution. I do. Is that a joke? Seriously? It's a lie. Christopher Rufo, quote tweeting this, saying, the axiomatic case. Joe Walsh might as well be copying and pasting. Jason Stanley tweets, pure MSNBC brain fever, not going to make it. He says the QTs are in. The opinions of Max Boot, Joe Walsh, and Lincoln Project co-founder Reed Galen are virtually indistinguishable from those of New York Magazine's resident lunatic, Jonathan Chait. It might have been about principles in the beginning, but now it is pure grift. Right now, the Democratic Party wants to either abolish the Supreme Court, abolish the Senate, pack the courts, defund the police, all of these things they have entertained or proposed. And you're saying they're not authoritarian. What did Ron DeSantis do? He allowed businesses to decide for themselves to stay open. He let people live their lives. He didn't lock them down to the threat of arresting them. Are you kidding me? That's authoritarian. Joe Walsh is a liar and a grifter. But the scary thing, the funny thing is they come out and they say, we're the grifters. It's really fascinating. It's fascinating how much Trump supporters don't like me. Call me slurs because I don't and never have supported Donald Trump's fraud narrative. Oh, but there's so much money to be made in supporting it. Why wouldn't I have done it from the from the get go? Right, because it's not about grifting. For me, it's about principle. For me, it's about logic and ethical uh, ethics and morality, ethical logic. For these people, it's about just some kind of weird anti-Trump movement. DeSantis is bad, so they're on board. DeSantis is profoundly better than Trump. I don't know if I trust him on foreign policy. We'll see. I was all for Tulsi Gabbard. Just met her recently for the first time. She's fantastic. Big fan. Got to speak with her at an event in New York. And although the event was a bit contentious with James O'Keefe and Ben Burgess of Jacobin, Tulsi and I at least got to opine on Julian Assange in agreement. As for these people, there's so much to agree with DeSantis on if you're a conservative, but for some reason they don't support him. It makes no sense. DeSantis is a moderate. He's a moderate of, of military leadership. Makes no sense. Jonathan Chait he he chimed in. DeSantis is a deeply authoritarian figure who is consolidating the fringe right-wing groups Trump brought into the party. Oh, here we go. The Trump skeptical conservatives who love DeSantis are distrustful of Trump's incompetence, not his authoritarianism. They prefer a more competent authoritarian, which DeSantis is. Amazing. These people are like, I would I would rather support Joe Biden. You're not a conservative. Joe Biden is the antithesis of family values. Joe Biden's son is a crackhead and his father helps him. It's remarkable. So what are you conserving? What are your policies? What are you getting behind? I don't care. Nonsense. Here's the article he wrote in March. Jonathan Chait, the guy who went on MSNBC and said, it's possible that Donald Trump was a Soviet agent. Seriously. He said it's possible that Donald Trump has been an asset of the Russians since the 80s, meaning Donald Trump would be a Soviet asset. That's insane. From New York Mag. The future of Trumpism, the greatest threat to Donald Trump's hold on the GOP comes from Ron DeSantis, who may be more MAGA than the MAGA king himself. Let me show you what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden said, and now when Republicans actually do offer a plan and they finally, we, you know, I'm not joking. Ask yourself this question. What is the Republican platform going to be this campaign? Inaudible. No, no, I'm not. I'm being deadly earnest. I'm not trying to be political. Just a fact. Well, they have a guy who is the Rick Scott from Florida who heads up the Republican campaign committee. He put out the plan. What does that plan do? It makes the tax system less fair by giving. Wanting to tax everybody making under $100,000 significantly more on average, a lot more money. It actually raises taxes on those working families because he thinks you don't pay enough taxes already. No, no, not a joke. I can't. All right, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to read this mind numbing drivel. Matthew Iglesias, he's one of the founders of Vox.com. He left Vox. He tweeted one time that progressives, Democrats have success, successfully convinced liberals that they did not get a tax cut. Excellent messaging, he said. Under Donald Trump, the middle class got a tax cut. The media, the left, lied to them to make them think they did not. They did. Joe Biden is now trying to convince you. Republicans want to raise your taxes. Either way, he comes out and he's like, What what is what is there what is the Republican platform gonna be? This is how you know they're all full of it. From the Wall Street Journal. Red states are winning the post-pandemic economy. Workers and employers moved away from the coasts to middle of the country and Florida, sparking swifter recoveries there. Why did they move there? Could it be that Ron DeSantis did a good job? Could it be that in Florida, Ron DeSantis made sure that you had your freedoms, that you were able to work and live? And they called him Death Santis, despite the fact that COVID cases were dropping as he was doing this. The Wall Street Journal reports, by many measures, red states, those that lean Republican, have recovered faster economically than Democratic-leaning blue ones, with workers and employers moving from the coasts to the middle of the country and Florida. Since February 2020, the month before the pandemic began, the share of all U.S. jobs located in red states has grown by more than half a percentage point, according to an analysis of Labor Department data by the Brookings Institution think tank. Red states have added 341,000 jobs over that time, while blue states, Still short, 1.3 million jobs as of May. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles,
1: curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism
0: for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I find this truly fascinating that we can look at these states and know for a fact that regular people are saying enough. The Wall Street Journal goes on and says, several major companies have recently announced moves of their headquarters from blue to red states. Hedge fund company Citadel said recently it would move its headquarters from Chicago to Miami. Caterpillar Inc., from Illinois to Texas, and I will say this because Tim Cass is often ahead of the market. We moved from New Jersey to West Virginia slash Maryland. Maryland is interesting; it's basically a blue state, but it's got a Republican governor for some reason, though he's basically a Democrat. Yeah, we are getting out. We have already relocated a good portion of our business and affiliates to West Virginia. That was that should have been the first move we did. We are building our new headquarters. But thanks to the supply chain crunch, we are um, slow rolling, slow rolling, waiting for that building to be built. But we're getting close. By the next couple of months, we will be 90 percent headquartered in West Virginia. West Virginia has a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong. They are not perfect. But we will make West Virginia better. The second most Trump supporting state in this country. For me, one of the biggest issues is um, not so much economic freedom cuz some uh, there are some metrics that say it's terrible but it's a uh, constitutional carry that I can go about my business armed. I've got a lot to worry about security wise. Why do I have to worry about these ridiculous laws that stop me from defending myself? No. Red states are the place to be in. Not to mention there is tax benefits, tax incentives and West Virginia is trying really hard to uh, ignite new enterprise. We are going to be doing a ton of work in West Virginia. This is the state to be in my opinion. So much opportunity for growth. The biggest city in West Virginia, I think, has like 60,000 people. The opportunity is here to build the industry, to build venues. We're going to open a store, a skate shop, a venue. We got so much in the works. We're going to make a skate shop. It's going to have everything. It's going to have scooters, skateboards, rollerblades, BMX. We are going to make it an all-around spot for people who want to uh, be involved in action sports. We're going to open a skate park. All of this is about building culture. And changing the game and inspiring young people. We're going to have. We're planning something really amazing. I don't know if I should say too much. But Saturday morning events with families. Family friendly events. Bring your kids down once a week. Build community. We are we are already working on homeschooling initiatives. I'm telling you. We're walking the walk. When you become a member at TimCast.com. I'm telling you there is some powerful stuff, stuff going on behind the scenes. Maybe we'll be able to do a big event in the next few months. And make the announcements about what our plans are. And there are some big plans helping parents with homeschooling, helping build community with families, action sports TV shows, behind-the-scenes, TimCast, Cast Cast Castle stuff. TimCast.com is going to be our version of a non-woke media enterprise. When you become a member, it's not just about getting behind-the-scenes content. It's about getting new shows, Tales from the Inverted World. We've got some potential comedy specials, documentaries. We are doing everything we can to ramp up. We are a low budget operation relative to Disney and all these other companies, but we're making it happen. Some big announcements coming soon. Stay tuned. I'm excited for this stuff. And this is the reality. I know that I can't do that in these blue states. So I got to leave. And this is good news. I want to give jobs to people who believe in freedom and personal responsibility. I don't want to give jobs to woke, whiny millennials who think they're owed massive salaries for doing no work. Then they'll complain and be like, I'm mourning over Roe v. Wade. Get out. Look, you come, you do the work you earn. We take care of you. We here at Timcast are a left-leaning corporation. As much as these ac- these faux leftists don't want to admit it, for me here, I'm all about if you write a book, if you make a show, what you work on, you get the cut. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not interested in, in ripping all, all the money away from the individual who did the work. No. Your show makes money. We pay you. We're in the investment phase. So for now, we're investing in new content from creative individuals. But I'm all about paying those big bonuses. I'm all about making sure that we build a culture around personal responsibility, opportunity, merit, and individualism. That's what we're going to do. And that's what needs to happen. And that's what people are seeing right now in red states, and that's why red states are winning the economic recovery. West Virginia is going to see it. I feel bad that we're in Maryland for a portion of, with, with a large portion of our operation, because Maryland punishes us. They attack us, they spit in our faces. I'm not kidding. Talking to my accountant, he's like, "Here's what Maryland has to say about your business." They're basically saying, "Get the F out. Fine. You don't want our business. You don't want our companies. We will leave. And I'll tell you what's going to happen in the next couple of years. These blue states will be in shambles. They already are. You see what's happening in New York City? It's insane. The crime, the violence, the murders. People are moving to red states and they're rebuilding. Just tell you, I'll I'll tell you this. Do not bring your blue state garbage to these red states. Last thing I'm going to do is go to West Virginia and vote for anybody who's a Democrat. Never going to happen. I'm going to stay out of it. If anything, I'll just vote for the Republicans for the sake of keep it the way it is. Do your thing. I'm not interested in um, bringing a bunch of blue state people to red states. A little bit, but only if they have good values. What I'm interested in is in West Virginia, we go to the locals who want and need jobs and we hire them. We say your values, your state, we empower that. I want to see good people run for office. I want to see the town that we're in expand as more people come from around the state to find work and get involved. That's what I'm talking about. This is the this, this is the mission. The mission is the to bring money. When you give money to TimCast.com, when you sign up to be a member, you know what's happening? The money that you give, you're 10 bucks. Let's say you're in New York City. You give 10 bucks. First of all, there's taxes and stuff. Okay. But we take that 10 bucks. We are investing that money in employees who live in this area in businesses that work in this area in contractors that believe in the same values we do it's not just about giving 10 bucks to timcast.com it is about everything that comes next your 10 bucks comes comes our way it goes to our bank account we spend that 10 bucks on a local bait shop that local bait shop gets that 10 bucks and they invest it in their values and their politics stop giving money to people who hate you now look I'm not gonna tell you to cancel your Disney or your Netflix or any of that stuff right now. I'm gonna say give timcast.com a chance, invest in us so that we can start building out this content and give you the alternative. But I'm a fan of Marvel movies. You know, what we need to do is create the market incentive for regular people to walk away. That's why I always shout out the Daily Wire. Yo, I am such a big fan. I am jealous. I have no problem saying it, and I am inspired. I watch what they're doing. I say, we got to do that too. We got to do it. And we got, we're going to be ourselves. Timcast.com is more, it's it's more skating. It's more punk rock. It's more edgy. It's less traditional. But we share so much in terms of what we, uh, what we stand for and what we oppose the Daily Wire. They're more traditional, more conservative. So we want to, we want to have our, our mission too. And I want to give them all the support they deserve because when they win, we win. The more people who leave Disney and sign up for their stuff, the better off we all are. This is the mission. You can sit back and you can support people like Hunter Biden, the Democrats, and what they stand for. You can pay taxes to blue cities, or you can get out. You can go somewhere else. You can vote for real values. You can support the businesses that are bringing the change. You can support the politicians that are standing up for what they believe in, and you can reject the lies from the Never Trump or Grifters. Let's get it done. No more this Hunter Biden garbage, Joe Biden garbage, never Trump garbage. Let's make America better. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. For those that follow British politics, you saw this coming. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigns as conservative party leader. I am no expert on the politics of the UK, but I have seen things from afar. And I'm not surprised this is happening. In 2019, there was this major breaking story. The Conservatives won a massive victory in the UK. And for a lot of us, we were, we were thinking this could be indicative of something coming in 2020. And kind of, kind of. People were fed up with left politics and these liberal politics, party scandals. So in the UK... At the very least, it seemed to us in the United States, there was a reckoning coming in, in, in Western nations where people were saying enough. We've seen the rise of nationalist populism. We've seen people say no to this internationalist elite climate change, all of that stuff. Whether you agree with it or not is not the point. Regular people were saying no. But what did Boris Johnson, the prime minister in the UK, do? Everything that the left in the United States basically was doing? He was enforcing lockdowns and then partying. That was one of the biggest scandals. Now, I'll come out and say it right away. I I don't follow British politics all that much, but this is still a major story. And there's going to be some interesting overlap between our culture and what's happening in the UK. So I'm wondering what comes next. Now, the bigger story here is that the, how do you say it? Something strange is happening. I'll put it that way. You may have seen the Dutch farmer protests, and I'll just come out and say this. Dutch farmers are protesting because their government is enforcing some kind of emission control, nitrogen control, hindering the farmer's ability to grow food at a time when we're told a global famine is underway because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. Something is happening. Something is happening. We'll start with this and talk about, here's kind of the idea. Look, Again, I'm going to stress this point. You, you, you're you better off going to the Lotus Eaters podcast with Carl Benjamin to get a breakdown on the UK stuff with, with what's happening with Boris Johnson. But what I'm seeing here is even if the Republicans win in the midterms, even if we get another major victory from the Republican Party, there's no guarantee it would be any different. That being said, Donald Trump probably is different. Axios reports Boris Johnson on Thursday announced his resignation as head of the UK Conservative Party, but promised to stay on as prime minister until a new party leader is chosen. A historic number of government resignations triggered by a series of scandals has made Johnson's position untenable. It's a stunning fall for a prime minister who in 2019 won a historic 80 seat majority on the back of his pledge to take the UK out of the EU. This is what's important. And this is what I can comment on. I remember that. It was massive. There were areas of the UK that hadn't voted conservative in like a 100 years who voted conservative. And then what happened? Nothing got done. This is the fear we have in the United States, that the Republicans will probably win some massive majority come November, and then nothing will get done. I think Donald Trump would do something I think Donald Trump was not like Boris Johnson. Some people thought he might be there. Look at him. They both got weird hair and all that stuff. And uh, Boris Johnson very much was establishment shill. They say, quote, it is clearly now the will of the parliamentary conservative party that there should be a new leader and therefore a new prime minister, Johnson said outside 10 Downing Street. It's painful not to be able to see through so many project uh, through so many project and ideas myself. The herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves. It moves. Johnson said he expected a timetable for his departure to be, de- to be determined as early as Monday by cons- uh, senior conservative party lawmakers. Last month, Johnson faced a no-confidence vote sparked by members of, a conserv- of his conservative party after he was found to have broken the law by attending several social gatherings during the country's strict COVID-19 lockdown. He survived the vote, but the Partygate scandal over the events at Number 10 Downing Street severely damaged his popularity. It's funny, right? Boris Johnson was supposed to be this big conservative leader, but he went full lockdown, full COVID-19, all of that stuff. It seemed to, at least me here in the US, there was very little difference between him and, say, Joe Biden, save Boris Johnson at least has the ability to speak. By Wednesday evening, so many ministers had resigned that it was clear Johnson lacked the requisite number of loyal members of parliament to fully staff his government. Adding to the drama, the resignations continued to stack up as Johnson publicly testified before a committee of hostile senior MPs during a once-a-year oversight hearing. So there you go. I mean, look, I'll, I'll leave it there. Boris Johnson, barely on as as prime minister. Check out Carl Benjamin, Lotus Eaters, for a better breakdown of what's going on in the UK. I think, I'll, I'll put it this way. Why we lead with this story? I mean, this is huge. Boris Johnson's resignation is the big story. Everyone's talking about it. But it's U.K. conservative politics, so it's like American Democrat. Does it really matter all that much to us? I can say this. Don't put all of your hopes in one basket. When the conservatives won in 2019, so many people were just, I mean, I was saying it. People in the U.K. were laughing, saying, this is crazy. How could they have won so outrageously? And this is what you get. When Brexit happened, many people said that uh, Brexit and Trump's victory were, were similar, in a similar vein had a lot to do with the internet and populism. And then uh, Brexit took years to, to actually happen. It was 2016. Uh, people were celebrating that Boris Johnson getting elected was a reaffirmation of the demand for Brexit. And Brexit got done to a certain degree. This is the UK leaving the European Union. And now it's disgrace. And I feel the same thing is, is headed our way in the United States. Just a little bit late. The Republicans will likely win in November. The Republicans will likely do nothing, and that's where we're heading. But there's a bigger there's a bigger narrative here as to why I wanted to leave with the story. And it has a lot to do with the Georgia Guidestones being decimated. Well, probably not, probably a better word is obliterated. You may have seen the story the other day. Georgia Guidestones mysteriously bombed. Now we talk about we talked about it on TimCast IRL after the bombing. The county came in and demolished the Guidestones, known as a monument to globalism. I think it's interesting to see the destruction of this monument, as well as the resignation of Boris Johnson, and what's happening with the farmers protesting. It all does come together. It seems like the, whoa, what's the, internationalist climate change agenda is faltering, that the people are continuing to win. The populist movement is working, and Boris Johnson does not represent that. Now, I will also shout out TimCast.com. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to directly support our work. We've got a bunch of shows that we're going to be launching exclusively at TimCast.com as a streaming video-on-demand service. So you saw the story about the Georgia Guidestones. Someone bombed them. We have some, we're we're investigating here at TimCast.com, some preliminary information. It seems to have been an attack, uh, politically motivated, and that seems rather obvious, I don't want to rehash this story. I want to talk about the fault lines, the failure of this global agenda, powerful elites who want to enact climate emission restrictions and and things like that. This is where things are, are, are getting interesting. The Georgia Guidestones blowing up, Boris Johnson resigning. We have this story from Politico Europe. Police fire on Dutch farmers protesting environmental rules. Farmers have blocked supermarkets, distribution centers, and roads in response to government plans to cut nitrogen emissions. Here's where it all comes together, because on the surface, they all seem rather different in terms of their stories. I'll say outright, obviously, Boris Johnson's resignation is just big breaking news, but it does all come together. The agenda is collapsing. The narrative is broken. Channels like uh, Timcast, my videos, Timcast IRL, are growing. The Daily Wire is taking over, and all of us obviously oppose this strange corporatist global agenda. Dutch farmers are protesting. I'm not saying they're going to win, it looks like their resistance is at least having some impact. But the narrative, the most important thing, the control mechanism is completely broken. I'll explain why. Environmental r- rules. Why is the Dutch government enforcing environmental rules? At a time when we are facing a food crisis and famine, it doesn't make sense. CNBC says the world will face a severe food crisis and famine, Zelensky says. Volodymyr Zelensky warned that the world will face the food crisis. Okay, we get it. Zelensky told delegates that his country was unable to export enough food because of Russia's blockade at Black Sea ports, which was preventing exports from being shipped to other countries. He said that Russia's war on Ukraine is a threat to the system of international law beyond the impact of his country. I find this fascinating. At a time when we know that we're about to starve, Dutch farmers are told they have to curtail their efforts. Why? Climate change. It makes you wonder about what's really causing the food crisis. Why would why would these countries enact these policies? Political reports. Dutch police fired shots at tractor-riding farmers who were protesting against plans to cut nitrogen emissions on Tuesday evening in northern Netherlands. Police said they were responding to a threatening situation when the farmers, who were attempting to push, push past a blockade to get onto a highway in the province of Friesland, started to drive their tractors into officers and their vehicles. According to the Friesland police, their shots at a tractor but no one was injured. 3 suspects were arrested. I can't pronounce this word, but the Rich, wow, Rijker, um, the Dutch, I, I'm sorry if you're Dutch, I can't pronounce that word. The Dutch's government internal investigator said that it would look into the events given police had discharged their weapons. Let me stress this again. Police fire on Dutch farmers. These are bullets. Spokesman for the Friesland Police did not respond to inquiries, but said a statement would be released later Wednesday. Dutch farmers have this week been protesting government plans that that could require farmers to use less fertilizer and reduce their livestock numbers, which could force some farms to shut. The Dutch government wants to reduce emissions of nitrogen oxide and ammonia, which are produced by livestock, by 2030. Cuts could reach 70% in some areas under the plans. In response, Dutch farmers have blocked supermarkets, distribution centers, and roads in protest this week. Wednesday morning, they are expected to demonstrate at the Groningen Airport Eldie, according to Dutch media. MP Carolyn Vanderplas called for an emergency debate with Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte and the Minister of Justice and Security, Dylan yes- Yeselgoes, curious about the escalating protests. It's crazy times, huh? Police fire on Dutch farmers protesting environmental rules. Why have environmental rules shuttering farms at a time when we are going to experience a global famine? It doesn't make sense. Here's what I can say. It seems like something else is happening. Obviously, right? Something else is going on and the system is collapsing. I'm not entirely sure that Boris Johnson's resignation and Dutch police shooting at farmers have a direct correlation. I I think not, actually. But it says to me that the global system, as we've uh, uh, known it, as some people refer to it, it's collapsing. The Georgia Guidestones, the monument to globalism being blown up and destroyed. Donald Trump's victory, Brexit, now Boris Johnson's resignation, police shooting at farmers. And get this, we have a tweet from Kian Bexty. It's happening. Italian farmers are rising up in protest, threatening to take their tractors to Rome. Quote, we are not slaves. We are farmers. We cannot make ends meet. I've not seen any corroborating uh, news stories on what's happening in Italy. But all this stuff, I don't know, man. It seems to be escalating. The breakdown. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe COVID was part of it. I don't know. Now, I don't think that there's some people believe there's a grand global cabal. And I suppose your view on this, it really isn't so much about whether there is a global cabal as opposed to the, the, the extent to which you think they're organizing the power they hold. Because I don't believe in these grand conspiracy theories about, like, an Illuminati meeting behind closed doors or underground bunkers in robes, twirling their mustaches, being like, we must destroy the world. What I do think is um, there's not a conspiracy theory that global interests routinely meet and make plans. I mean, that's, that's a fact. The G20, the G7, Bilderberg, global elites publicly meet all the time. The Davos group? And they probably have some kind of plan. That is not to say that there's like a hierarchy of um, authority, like Klaus Schwab is the leader or anything like that. He's certainly a leader at Davos. So there are some people who believe that there is a secret cabal of families that have been ruling the world for a long time. Yeah, I don't know about all that. But um, powerful uh, interests, politicians, and corporate leaders from various countries meeting together. Yeah, it's called the um, World Economic Forum. Yeah, it's called the G7 yeah, it's called the G20. Yeah, it's called Bilderberg. These aren't conspiracies. These things happen. And then you have Epstein. I wonder what he was doing. But let me put it this way. When the narrative about a global cabal world leaders meeting is publicly known, publicly stated, and the media still desperately tries to call it a conspiracy. It's just like, dude, shut up. You've lost. It's the cracks in the facade are so thick, we can see the blinding lights emerging from the other side. There is an effort among global elites to meet together. There is a liberal economic order, a liberal world order. Biden's administration flat out talked about it on TV. They're not hiding anything anymore. But they're losing. They're losing everything. It's kind of crazy to watch the Georgia Guidestones being blown up. Some people have said, like, why do I care about this stupid rock? Some have said it wasn't made by globalists. It was made by a Christian in the 1980, in 1980. I don't know. The idea is not about, the issue is not who made the Guidestones. The issue is that they exist and that there are people who view it as a monument to the new world order or to globalism. So someone went and bombed it. Timcast.com is currently investigating. We had a reporter down on, uh, at the Guidestones only in the past, I think, couple of months. And preliminary information coming out, I want to say it's very preliminary, scuttlebutt from internal sources is that it was a politically motivated attack. So let's break this down. Boris Johnson's out. The UK government is in crisis. We'll see how they, how they muster and they manage. There's a food shortage coming. They're telling us to our faces, and Dutch Dutch farmers are protesting to the point where police fired on them. It's breaking down, my friends. The collapse is upon us, and maybe the collapse is the intent. Maybe this is everything that the global interests wanted. What happens if there's no food? It's not going to be the United States that starves. Europe will certainly, but it's the weak that won't make it. It's almost like the people who talk about depopulation and global leaders are somehow involved in this crisis and that's that's really all I can really say. Now I, I suppose the question is, is it a conspiracy in that the global world leaders are manufacturing a crisis that will kill people? or is it that they've lost control? They can't control people and thus we're going to see serious loss of life? Don't know, not a psychic. I don't think that uh, Bill Gates, for instance, is coming out and being like, "Mm, we need to kill more people. I think Bill Gates wears his ideas on his sleeves. He comes out and says, we need population reduction. So maybe there's a Bill Gates going behind the scenes, and he's saying things like, let's cull people, perhaps. But I think it's usually just more overt than that. The dude comes out and says, less people, please. So I don't think these world leaders, are orchestrating like the mass execution of people. There's some people who believe all that stuff. It's, it's possible. And what I mean is it's physically possible. It's in the realm of it, it, it could exist. But I don't know. I think there are easy ways, easier ways to go about reducing world population. And these people have advocated for population reduction. The Georgia Guidestones advocate for population reduction and eugenics. These world leaders have called for population control, but does that mean that they would uh, advocate for or enact policies to literally kill people? I don't know. That that's that's it's a coin toss. I'll put it this way: I think it is entirely within the realm of possibility that world leaders and corporate interests would try to kill lots of people. Why? Because murderers exist, because serial killers exist. And imagine if a serial killer got the reins of government. Wars exist. These things exist. I think it's absolutely possible. I really do. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest right now that's the case. I think the stronger uh, outcome, the the, the, the bigger likelihood, is that many of these world leaders are just bumbling idiots, struggling to maintain control of what's happening in the world, and... The result is this. If these people really did have control, we would see something, we would see more people die, but we wouldn't see bombings, we wouldn't see farmers getting shot at, you would see control. So maybe the policies they're enacting are an attempt to reduce carbon emissions and control population, and they suck at it, and it results in chaos and collapse, and that's about it. I don't think that Bill Gates is going behind the scenes and acting like that dude from Kingsman where he's like, we got to kill a bunch of people. I think he's like, we need to reduce population and do it fast. How can we convince people not to have kids? I think that's what you're seeing. Other than that, it's possible that they do. I'll, I'll put it this way. The media would tell you there's no grand conspiracy. And to be fair, there's no real evidence that the world leaders are advocating for and trying to kill people. But it is possible Impossible doesn't mean much to me. Show me evidence and I'll entertain it for the time being. All that really matters is crime is skyrocketing. Monuments are being blown up. Statues are being torn down. This country, the United States is being ripped apart. World leaders are resigning. Joe Biden's in, in shambles. I think the corporatist global elite are struggling. They're falling apart. Hunter Biden on camera doing crack. I think the reality is the global elites have just lost control of everything. And the result is this. The result is resistance, and the result is partially a bit of chaos. I'll wrap it up by saying one thing, reiterating this point. If there is a global famine coming, why would they try to stop farmers from farming? Makes you wonder. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I'd like to show you this story about climate change protesters blocking a highway and condemning a man to prison and then trying to raise money off of his plight. It is one of the most psychotically evil things I have ever seen. It is mind bogglingly infuriating. The left truly is a bundle of evil, and I will say it right now. Because where are the activists coming out and condemning this? Where are the leftists coming out and saying we reject this? No, the climate change organizers would see you suffer and die and they would sacrifice you for their vision of a better world. It's embodied uh, no better um, by any circumstance than by this story. Now, I can give you another example. Greta Thunberg. That's right. She's the, how dare you? We must end fossil fuels. Not 2030, she says, not 2023, but now if we ended fossil fuels right now, I think the estimates are that 60 million people will die. And they know and they don't care because they would see you suffer and they would see you die if it means their righteous indignation is achieved, is accomplished, is venerated. Their goals are more important than you, and your suffering is immaterial to their desires. I'd like to share for you this story and have a conversation with you about deontological ethics and utilitarianism, explain to you why the left is evil. And there are certainly elements of evil on the right, for sure. But again, what we're looking at right now, and when I say left and right, I'm talking about the modern colloquial tribes. Moderates, libertarians, and conservatives don't all agree So there is an exception that that evil does exist among people on the right. Absolutely. But it is the rule right now that the establishment left would kill you and see you suffer. And this story embodies it. I can't tell you how infuriated I am by this. This this, these people are evil. Beltway climate protest backfires as video of Paroli pleading he needs to get to work goes viral. A climate change protest backfired on Monday. After a video clip of a parolee pleading with activists blocking the Beltway to let him pass so he could get to work went viral. One lane, I am asking one lane, said the man who got out of his car to confront the activists sitting across the I-495 in Montgomery County, Maryland, blocking traffic. The man, who was clearly agitated and ripped the signs out of the sitting protesters' hands, claimed he was on parole and could be sent back to prison for being late to his job, which is true. The activists did not budge. And can be heard saying they can't move until Biden declares a climate emergency. A clip of the man shared online by News2Share quickly gained attention online as the man pleading to get to work struck a chord. The activists, vapid, psychotic, narcissistic egotists who revel in your suffering because they want, sat there as this poor man begged, give me one lane. They could have let him through. They could have let one lane open up to make sure that those who needed to get somewhere were able to, but they don't care about you. This man begged and pleaded. He begged and pleaded. He's going to go back to prison. Just give him a lane. What's wrong with that? You've got your attention. You've blocked the highway. You've caused a traffic jam. Everybody can see you. You can open it up and let some people through. That won't undermine what you're doing. They don't care. You see this right here, the maximizing of suffering gives them more attention. They revel in it. You want to know how I know? Want to see, see the evidence that they revel in it? They revel in your suffering? After this man was arrested for begging them, please, he was arrested and carried away by the police. One of the men involved launched a fundraiser to raise $100,000 and doesn't even know who this guy is and even went on to insult him. I'm raising funds to help him support his family and get his life in track. Please give generously. Someone said, how does this money go towards helping him when you don't even know his name? I've reported this fundraiser and encourage anyone else to report it as well. Get, uh, uh, as well as get a refund for any don- donations. Look at this Guido Reichstadter, Stotter, however you pronounce it, trying to raise $100,000 off of the man he condemned. And he goes on to drag him. He smelled of alcohol and seemed inebriated and in distress. These people are disgusting. I've never been more disgusted, more enraged. But th- let this be an example. Please, show this. I beg of you, leftist activists, climate change protesters, speak out against this the destruction of this man's life and the attempt to profit off of it. This man destroyed this guy's life and now is trying to raise $100,000 off of it. He says, my name is Guido Reichstadter. I'm doing this fundraiser for my friend, a man who was caught in a blockade I helped participate in. I believe he was abused by police who wrongfully arrested him for assault due to him bumping into me a few times during the blockade. I hold that this man behaved nonviolently toward me and I did not feel threatened by him. And I will testify to that under oath in support of him at trial if needed. This man needs help. He smelled of alcohol and seemed inebriated. This guy, Guido, is now trying to get this guy charged with a DUI. From what I understand, he faces trouble with the law and has a child who depends on him. I do not know his name or any details of his history or family, but my heart was moved by his pleas. I could not comply with his request to open the blockade, but I want to do what I can to help him get his life back on track and support his child while you send him to prison. The trolley problem. You're familiar The trolley problem, as it goes, there is a trolley headed down a track. There are five people on that track. You can pull the lever, diverting the trolley to a different track, saving the lives of these five people. But on the diverted track is a single man. You would kill him to save these five people. On the surface, the trolley problem seems rather simple. You can clearly see with your eyes five people will die. And if you pull the lever, you will be killing that one man. But there's a lot of problems with the trolley problem itself. The implication is that if five people are strapped to a train track and one person is strapped to a train track, there's a level of danger that everyone faces. The idea was supposed to be that by pulling the lever, you chose to kill a man to save five. But most people I talk to about this don't see it that way. They're like, well, they're all strapped to the train tracks the idea is that all of them are in danger regardless. So you might as well save the 5 and sacrifice the 1, right? I'll give you a better question. There is two children one one person's about to sh- uh, someone's about to shoot a child and you can throw the other child in the way of the bullet. The idea is actually m- very different. The trolley problem is supposed to represent that the other person is in no danger at all that you would place an innocent person in danger killing them for the sake of five that's utilitarianism deontological ethics would argue you cannot take immoral actions against an individual regardless utilitarian thinking is the en- the, the the ends justify the means i do not agree with that in almost no circumstance would i pull the lever in the trolley problem that's me There is a website that asks you a bunch of questions about the trolley problem. And in any circumstance where pulling the lever would kill someone, I would not do it. There are five people standing in front of a train screaming, help us pull the lever. And I see one person, I'll say, no, that person's not in danger. I don't know your circumstances, and I will not be the person to kill someone to save you. I'm sure there are some circumstances within nuance. This is what we're looking at right now. Here's the real problem with utilitarian thinking. These psychopaths, this Guido guy who's a narcissistic psychopath. He doesn't know that what he's doing will save anyone. He doesn't know that what he's doing would do anyone any good. So the real issue is, let me present to you the trolley problem. There are two tracks. On one track, a man is strapped to the tracks. On the other track, there is someone standing next to it saying, hey, there's a bunch of people down there. I don't know if they're on the track, but I think they might get hit. And you say, okay, I don't know what will happen if the train keeps going forward, but I can divert the train, killing a man. That's the real trolley problem we face today. These guys, like Guido, I'll tell you what, here's one better. Let me show you, uh, uh, let me give you an example of what just happened here with this story. Guido Reichstatter was looking at a trolley heading down the track. And has no idea what lies ahead, but believes there may be people at some point on that track. He then looks over and sees a man sitting on the other track in no danger. And he goes, I got an idea. If I pull this lever, everyone will hear about the train being diverted. And then my cause will gain prominence. The trolley then rams into this innocent man who was minding his own business, killing him. And then Guido says, everyone, please give me money. Yo, this is evil. Let's talk about Donald Trump and his fundraiser, Steve Bannon. They were going to build the wall. So they said, give us your money, help us build the wall. And um, the left claimed it was a scam. They said, they scammed you. They weren't actually building the wall. They were. But they were giving money to one of these organizers. Yeah, Okay. so what? Nobody died because of it. Look, scamming people is wrong. Parting a fool with their money, I believe, is wrong. This, these people, this is evil. It's, it's, it's just a whole new level of destroying a man's life and then trying to raise a hundred grand off him and you don't even know who he is. He says, I don't know who he is. And how are you going to give him any money? How are you going to find out who he is and help his family? Look at what he says. I'm a father of two young children. I know the anguish of being unable to help them. In fact, the blockade that this man was caught in was an act of love in defense of my two children and of all of humanity. No, I'll tell you what this is. This is a narcissistic sociopath, a a, a downright psychotic individual who wants attention. He wants you to look at him. He's really just screaming, look at me and give me money. I deserve it. Give me money. That's what he's doing. All of these people have lives. I'm in favor of nonviolent civil disobedience. This ain't it. Nonviolent civil disobedience is like, you know, you block a roadway, but you need to be responsible for the problems and the chaos you you cause. You block a roadway, you get attention. Say, okay, the police should have immediately arrested all of these people immediately. So you go out, you block the road, traffic stops for a few minutes. The cops come and they arrest you and then everyone carries on. The police instead arrested the man begging and pleading to be allowed to carry on with his life. This is the danger of the left. They feel the ends justify the means. That's why you see groups like By Any Means Necessary. Necessary to what? Let me tell you. The ends do not justify the means because you will never meet the ends. Period. Let's talk about climate change. Let's talk about authoritarianism. These people think that by destroying the life of this man, they'll win something. So when these people get in power, how many people will they kill or sacrifice to maintain their glorious revolution? And that's what always happens with the left. They win Venezuela, Zimbabwe, China, Soviet Union. And then how many people do they have to kill to maintain their glorious revolution? Because they're smarter than you. They're better people, right? You're a bad person. You don't matter. And that's how they live, and that's what they think. Take a look at what's happening in New York from the Daily Wire. Women destroy New York fast food shop, send employees to hospital because extra sauce was $1.75. This is the world we're living in now. In New York City, they've gone after the police. The police are quitting in mass. Hundreds reportedly quit in the past month or whatever, or more. And they go in and they say, I want free sauce, and so they destroy the shop. The left advocates these people be released, that the police not do their jobs, that there be no order, that these people be left bloodied and beaten. But maybe not the best example. Fine. Here you go. Bodega worker in Rikers on murder charge after stabbing attacker in self-defense. This is the future they want for you. The future they want for you. A bodega worker was minding his own business when a gangbanger jumped over the the, the counter, angry at the cost of goods, and started attacking the bodega worker. The bodega worker took a knife, stabbed a man in self-defense, killing him. He's He's in Rikers. He's on Rikers. Rikers Island on a murder charge for self-defense. That's how it works in these places. Someone will try to kill you, and if you just try to mind your own business, they will lock you up. This is what evil looks like. Alba, 51, charged the fatal stabbing of Austin Simon, who could be seen storming behind the counter to attack the store worker. It was either him or the guy at the moment, Alba's daughter, Ulyssa, told The Post Wednesday, he never hurt anybody. He's never had an altercation where he's had to defend himself. It's the first time. The 30-year-old 32-year-old woman claimed Alba grabbed the snack out of his daughter's out of her daughter's hand. So she knocked over items on the counter and ran home to get Simon who stormed into the bodega and attacked Alba about 10 minutes later. During the fight, Simon's girlfriend allegedly stabbed the worker in the shoulder with a knife she had in her purse. She is not facing charges. Alba, a dad of three, is is being charged with second-degree murder. So the worker was stabbed. Defended himself against the attacker. And now he's the one in prison. They say... The gal pal instigator is free, while Alba could go away for 15 to 25 years if convicted. This is, what, this is how they want you to live. The prosecutors asked that Alba be held on $500,000 bail or bond. Manhattan criminal court judge Eric Schumacher set the bail at 250 dollars finding that he was a flight risk after prosecutors argued he had previously planned a trip back to the Dominican Republic, scheduled for next week. Prosecutors are expected to present the case to a grand jury for indictment on Thursday. Welcome to New York. This is what you get when you live in these blue areas. They will destroy your life. They will attack you, and then you will be punished. I've warned about this. I've said it was coming, and I said it will get worse. Mark my words. There was a man in Wisconsin. Black Lives Matter shut up to his house. The mob led by a man who previously oversaw a mob that set fire twice to a home. In his home, as they were protesting outside, he brandished a shotgun. Probably shouldn't have. But in his own home, the police came, entered his house and arrested him while BLM cheered for it. I thought they didn't like police. I thought they wanted to abolish the police. Nope, they cheered for it. They celebrated it. This is what will happen to you under the under the left. The utilitarians believe that it is better that 10 innocent people suffer than one guilty person escape. Actually, it's probably unfair to say that because they've released the guilty people. It's more of a racist, identitarian ideology. They'll lock up the innocent. They don't care. They will accuse you based on race. They don't care. They will destroy your life. They don't care. And then they will raise money among their friends. This guy said, Guido, my friend whose name I do not know has a tattoo on his back that reads loyalty makes family. My loyalty is to all humanity in whose name I act in defense for all futures. Please give generously. Together we have the opportunity to help change the course of his life. Just as together we have the power to change the course of our destiny and win emergency action to end the climate crisis. This man should be in prison. This man who broke the law, who is now trying to defraud people after ruining this guy's life, should be in prison. In a just society, he would be. In a just society, Guido Reichstatter, would be in jail for what he did and what he is doing. He doesn't care. He literally doesn't care. He's, he revels in it. He wants to make money off of it. He is a deeply narcissistic, psychotic individual, and this is what plagues our country. This is so many millennials with no purpose seeking just to exploit you to profit. Grifters, as it were. It's fascinating. And then these people find stupid people to give them money, and then they go out and say it's the other side that's bad. Yeah, the people who challenge Jesse Smollett are the bad guys. The people who believe them are the good guys. Yeah, right. They didn't believe Jesse. They didn't care. Elliot Page didn't care whether it was true or not. Just knew that they could weaponize. Your ignorance, your anger by lying to you and selling you snake oil and then turn around and tell you that it is I, that it is we doing the exact same thing. I'm not the one going in the middle of the street and blocking cars. I'm not the one trying to raise $100,000 off of a man whose life was just destroyed. No, I run a business and I give you the option to buy a product. It's voluntary. Isn't it amazing? You can watch our show as we talk about things. We have one show that's just mysteries, tales from the inverted world. We have the Cast Castle comedy sketches, but they will lie to you and tell you that all we want to do is, no, I want to build culture. I want peace. I want harmony. I want respect. I want individual responsibility. These people seek to exploit and destroy for power. And that's been the case. Not everybody on the left, obviously, but it is the rule on the left and the exception on the right. On the right, you have today the colloquial tribal right, moderates, libertarians, post-liberals, and conservatives, many in disagreement. On the left, you have anyone who opposes us is against us, period. That's the reality of where we're at. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. 18 plus.